Well, it's never too early to start talking Wisconsin football. In fact, I think next week, spring practice gets underway. What? Yeah. Give me a hell yeah. Hell yeah. That's what I'm talking about. All right, so I was uh, doing a little digging on the internet. Some Someone called surfing the World Wide Web. Ooh. And as I was surfing this World Wide Web, a series of tubes, the internet, if you will, I saw this on Bleacher Report. Ten players set to shock the college football world in 2021. Yeah. And I bleep you not, the first name on that list, drum roll please, Jalen Berger, Wisconsin running back. First on the list, yet to shock the world for college football. Some huge news quietly happened this week in the Big Ten when longtime Wisconsin running backs coach John Sutton elected to leave Camp Randall for Kentucky. The Badgers tried to keep him, according to Wisconsin State Journal's Colton Bartholomew, but he's heading to the SEC and leaving behind a potential breakout star in Jalen Berger. Now, here's the thing, guys. I hope the Badgers don't put Jalen Berger on a 15-snap count uh, <laughs> coming up to the season because that's what they did last year in the abbreviated season. It's in his first year replacing Jonathan Taylor, who starred for the Colts in his rookie year. Berger had 301 yards on 60 carries and scored two touchdowns. Uh, I know the numbers aren't crazy, but, again, what did they play? Six Was it six games they played? And Berger was on, like, a 15-snap count every game for some reason. Did he even play the first game against uh, – He didn't play the first couple games, yeah. I don't think. And then all of a sudden he's like, well, he's, we'll give him 15 carries and then put him on the bench. But when he played, boy, God, was he a beast. Like Taylor, the six foot, 210-pounder is a big, strong, and athletic running back. Yeah, he was by far their best running back that they had all last yeah, year. And, he and it wasn't close. over five yards a carry. Yeah, this dude is a monster. Uh, they say now that he has a year in the system, it's time for Badgers coach Paul Chris to trust him a little more. Uh, here you go. A year ago, despite the team's offensive struggles, the Berger never had more than 15 carries in a game. But he wasn't on a snap count. Yeah, but it, if you ask the he told the media that that's the coaching staff. He was not on a snap count, except uh, he would get to 15 carries like in the third quarter, and then you'd never see him again. They say the second-year player is poised to become the next great Wisconsin running back. They uh, if they just let him. The safe bet is he will shoulder much of the load <laughs> just let in the running game this year, and stat-packing games will follow as the Badgers' offense improves. So, I mean, is he the guy? Is he the number one? Yeah. I mean, he's got to be. I mean, that that turned into a situation much like we had with Jonathan Taylor real quick, where everybody's like, why aren't you starting the guy who's carrying the ball five-plus yards when he touches it? Right. Why isn't this guy touching the ball? And then, well... Garrett Groshek's not returning either. Yeah. So that should carve out. Well, Nakia Watson transferred, right? Yep. 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 So that should carve out a ton more carries for mm-hmm. Berger, where they don't even really have an excuse now. Right. Who's still there? Garendo? Garendo's still there. Um, Brady Shipper. Oh, yeah. He had a few carries. Julius yep. Davis, Davis had yeah. one carry. And then was promptly. Yep. Get ready for Berger time, folks, because yeah. it's going down. And this dude is, is balling. So when RJ, him and Matt Bernstein, a.k.a. the Hebrew Hammer, um, we all know Bernie, the incredible fullback that was for Wisconsin football. Him and RJ, were you guys what? Were you at spring practice? What practice were you at? We were at uh, fall camp, like fall camp, uh, a week before the season started. And no one even really knew who this guy named Jonathan Taylor was. No. He was, was he even third? I, I don't even know. He was fourth. He was fourth on the depth chart. 
So RJ and uh, Matt Bernstein were at fall practice, and I mean, you were there. You tell the story. You guys were like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! I, who's this guy?" Yeah, we're we're just watching like our like skeleton and all that, where you know you're just doing seven on sevens during practice while the offensive and defensive line are off doing their own thing, and we're watching, and you're just seeing. You know, he we're watching him against no line, so yeah. he's making the runs, and it's like, oh, that's a nice cut. So then they come back in, and they get together and do their little team periods. And, I mean, he gets run all the way over to one side, puts a hand down, makes a complete turn, cuts it up, burns everybody, and then runs for, like, 50 yards. And you're like, whoa. And we're just, wow. Who, did, did, did you see who, that? Yeah, we walk over to the, to the equipment guy. We're like, who is this guy? And that was his. That was his freshman. Yeah, so freshman year. This is into fall camp. Nobody's heard. He of him just before. had come in from New Jersey, and you know that. Then we had Bernie on the next week, and we talked about how this guy is going to be something special. And then, like, what a week later, they're like, "Yep, here you go, Jonathan Taylor." Four weeks later. Four weeks later, <laughs> took him four four games to become the starter. And he never looked back. Never looked back, and, and still almost put up. Two was in yards. three years the statistically the best running back to ever run to the ever freaking play ball. The game to ever run the ball, play the game, and now a lot of us were like, okay, well, what about Jalen Berger? Because him, him coming into last year, we I was excited about him. I'm like, well, what do we know about New Jersey? Badgers are able to get a nice little fertile ground running of running backs. backs there, and then get the best out of them. And Jalen Berger comes in and like goes man, a little past running backs too because we had like Jonathan Casillas, a couple yeah. of tight ends out of there. I'm like, man, am I ready for another New Jersey product in Berger time? Mm-hmm. And at first, it was um, we're looking at Nakia Watson and Rowdy pointed out very quickly, man, that guy doesn't even know how to run between the tackles. He just runs into the fattest ass he can find and falls down. Yeah, right, Rowdy. That's pretty much uh, his exact when game he, plan. Yeah, he, he did have that carry in the Michigan game, but. That was the biggest hole I've ever seen since uh, the Cotton Bowl game, where like it was just a five yard gap for <laughs> for Jonathan Taylor to run. And through. what Garenda was hurt for a while, and uh, I don't think he didn't even really played. I think he was in the first game and got hurt in the first game. Yeah. I don't remember him past that. Garrett Groshek, you knew what we had with Garrett Groshek. Yeah. It was, and then they took the ball out of his hands in the Minnesota game, and it went to overtime. And then eventually, in the first game against Illinois, well, I mean, obviously it was the merch show. And then we're like, okay, well, Jalen Berger, did he even dress? And our sports director, Zach Halpern, was like, yeah, he was dressed. He was there. He just was never even even the huddle. Yeah, Yeah, it was pretty tough last year for the Wisconsin running back room. It'll it'll be interesting to see how that running back room shapes up moving forward because as good as Coach Settle was, he held a grudge. Like, if there was a perceived notion of you slighting him or – if you fumbled the ball once, you weren't going to be getting touches for quite some time. <laughs> so it'll be interesting to see with a fresh slate like Julius Davis what his role becomes. Is he going to be your number two now? Because that is a guy who yeah, was what happened to him? A very high. Well, uh, I think he had knee surgery. He had a torn meniscus. Is that what it was? Something I thought like that. it was his groin. Maybe he that. had he had um, something some leg problem. <laughs> groin surgery. Okay, you didn't there even you like see him at all. No. I mean, I mean, he got one carry was sent to the short side of the field uh, and was pushed out of bounds and lost two yards and then never touched then the ball again. And then you never saw him again. You're like, okay. I mean, but that it was also one of those, it was a, a play that was set up to fail. Yeah. Like, they were even, the whole defense was stacked on that side. So, I mean, we didn't see much of Julius Davis, and then we're like, okay, 
obviously Nakia Watson's not getting it done. Now he's in the transfer portal. We know what we got with Garrett Groshek. Uh, Garendo's hurt. Then you got, I mean, I don't think we're going to turn our attention to the shipper too much. But then you look at those like, all right, we have this guy named Jalen Berger. Let's see more of them. And all the knocks were from the big J's, the guys that are always covering the team. Oh, well, we don't think his body's ready yet. His legs are too little. He doesn't have enough weight on. We don't know if he can be the clear-cut Wisconsin guy yet. we got to give him some time to you know get that muscle mass up. And Rowdy was the first one to kind of scoff at it. It's like, well, if you're good, you're good. And then Jalen Berger came out and just started thrashing. Just <laughs> boom. He was, he was like... He was beasting out there. Yes. And Rowdy's like, yeah, so much for his legs being too small or his body being too, too small, right, Rowdy? Well, yeah, and then you looked at the you looked at the room around him and you go, okay, this is a, a four-star kid out of New Jersey. He was a higher-ranked prospect. You were looking at Nakia Watson and Isaac Garendo, who to me were pretty much the same running back. Yep. And then you really didn't see much from Shipper or Julius Davis when you're talking about carries in general. Mm-hmm. And when I saw Garendo and I saw Watson consistently get carries, they reminded me of a guy that on most Wisconsin uh, football teams would probably be like the fourth and fifth running back. Yeah. And like, it's not being mean. That's just being realistic. Yeah. yeah. And then it was Jalen Berger, the talented freshman that you would give the ball roughly 15 times a game. He'd carry it for, what, 80-ish yards probably was his average. I don't have any statistics in front of me. But 15 carries, 80 yards seemed like a pretty realistic line for the guy every single time. And then all of a sudden, you just weren't using him. 15 yeah. carries. I, but, yeah. You, Get the 15 and you put it on the bench. And I, I did forget Brady Shipper is technically a safety. So Oh, yeah, yeah that's a good he, point. He was moved over because of injuries. That's a good point. Uh, but, I mean, he was a pretty good running back in high school, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. He, played, he played running back, and then I know they used him in the slot a little bit, too. Yeah. But, so, so now, on this roster, you have um, really only uh, who are Jalen Berger, Julius Davis, and Isaac Garendo before any well, freshmen get on. I just think it's wild campus. that the, the Badgers – ran so much with Garendo and Watson when we saw over and over that they were like a two to three yard carry guy, no matter what the hole looked like. It yeah. seemed like Davis was the only, or not Davis. Um, Berger was the only one that consistently could break things wide open. Obviously Groshak, we know what he was. He was a third down back. He was a guy that was reliable, but he wasn't a game breaker. He wasn't a Jonathan Taylor. He wasn't unless a Melvin Gordon. Minnesota. Yeah, unless yeah. you get to the oh, Gophers. Man. But Berger was. And I don't think yeah. you I don't think you can say that you saw enough carries from Shipper or Davis to say that they were the same as uh, Garendo and Watson. No, because no. you just didn't see them. They I mean, didn't get yeah. very I mean, many carries. Davis legit had one carry on this. Yeah, season. that's it. Well, so they say right here the top ten players set to shock the college football world in twenty twenty one, and first on the list is Jalen Berger. You guys buy it? I buy it. Yeah. I mean, you saw a glimpse. Anytime, no matter how limited the carries are, if you're averaging five yards a carry and not just in garbage time, you're going to be okay. We named all those guys. There's no more Groshak. Yep. There's no more Watson. That leaves you with Berger. And Garendo. Garendo. Davis. Davis. And Shipper, that would probably be your top four right now. And and Shipper might be getting put back on the safety side of things. And I can't remember who's coming in for well, recruits. Even in, in past, if you have the ability and you're a good back, 
Mm-hmm. Even if they have three good backs, we've seen them all go for over a thousand yards. Yep. Yes. <laughs> we have, so we yes. have seen that. I think Burgers is only, prime only for a good season. Only other team who have done that? Navy. <laughs> Navy. Hell yeah. So glad this guy is back from vacation. I don't know oh, how many no. times I could hear the top eight bucks of all time, but if anyone could no. do it. Oh, 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 hey, Grant Bills, what's up? How are you? Good morning, Evo. Uh, it's good that we're not letting that die yet. We can drag that out for another week or so of jokes, I think. Well, you know yeah. what they say, Grant. <laughs> What's that? Heroes get remember- remembered, but legends never die. And those eight legends that played for Milwaukee Bucks, yep, they, they never, never die. die. Oh, my God. Have half of them actually died, though? The Bucks haven't had very many good players recently. Well, that's, that's a good point. point. Actually, actually, that is a good point. But, you know, just... Just God forbid, if the worst case ever happens, they'll always be remembered. They'll, they'll truly never you know, die again. Here's the thing. It's good to be appreciated. Zach Heilprin, you know, I love him to death. He's one of my favorite guests that I bring on. But, you know, he'll, he'll, you know, he'll go after me a little bit, a little, little friendly, you know. A uh, little ribbing, a little jabbing. And, and it, was, it was amazing to have him on my show last week and, and tell me, genuinely, I think, Grant, it's nice to have you back. I'm glad you're back from vacation. Yeah. That, that was a good feeling. Well, Grant, from the bottom of my heart all the way down to my plums, <laughs> is glad, I'm glad that you're back from vacation, and I love having you on these airwaves. So thank you so uh, much. Glad to be here, Ebo. Also, Always. Grant, speaking of the Bucks, my God, a throttling last night by the deer. No, Giannis Adendokounmpo, no problem, as they just dominate the Pacers. Now, the Pacers aren't really the greatest, but how does it feel to know that uh, the Bucks like Drew Holiday leading the way and then Chris Middleton second? How about that, baby? You love to see it. That, that I think, is the ideal version of the Bucks, right? Is everybody shoots the lights out and Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday are able to, to compete a little bit, or not compete, but able to create, I should say, and kind of make some offense for themselves. And then Giannis slides back in and he's got all these shooters and, and strong offensive players around him. And yeah, the Pacers aren't excellent, but they're you know a middle of the pack Eastern Conference team. The Bucks are probably going to have to beat a team like Indiana in the postseason at some point. Last year, the Heat were that team, right? Now the Heat got really hot, but they were a middle of the pack Eastern Conference team that the Bucks got handled by, like very similar to you know Oregon handling Iowa yesterday. You have to be able to beat the middle of the road teams, and it's a good sign that the Bucks can do without Giannis. It was really fun to watch, and then you get the garbage time minutes at the end with Sam Merrill and Diakite, and that's just that's just good fun Tuesday or Monday night NBA basketball. Oh, I almost forgot what, what day. The March Madness being on Monday yesterday really threw me yeah, off. Yeah, it, it definitely threw us for a loop, too, but it was nice to have all kinds of basketball uh, on the boob tube on a Monday, especially meaningful ones like the March Madness. <laughs> so, Grant, yeah. I'm also looking here at your uh, Twitter account, at Wisco Grant. What a, what a follow, by the way, a hell of a follow. Uh, looks like my guy was uh, popping some wood, some woodies last night. He's got a Ron Swanson gift saying that gave that saying that gave me a semi. Uh, I, I would assume that would be pitching a tent, and that would be the Celtics losing in overtime to a team on a ten-game losing streak. How about that, Grant Bills? Okay, well here's the thing, Evo, and I'm glad you brought that up because it actually relates to the Bucks. The Bucks last night beat the Pacers without Giannis. Yes. Right now, the Celtics were playing without Jason Tatum, and they couldn't handle the measly Memphis Grizzlies, who had lost 10 in a row. So it's not always a given, right, even without your best player, that you can handle a middle-of-the-pack team. I just love watching the Celtics lose. It was just a great, great way to wrap up my night last night, especially after losing you know, a couple more of my beloved Big Ten teams. It was a rough weekend for that. So it was nice to see a team that I just really... I just despise. I really love watching the Celtics lose, and, and I watched that game after the Bucks, and then I just went to bed with a huge smile on my face, knowing that the first person I would talk to this morning was you. 
So but my oh. last 24 hours, I've really been killing it. Whoa, Grant Bills just making my heart smile. Look at that. So, Grant, um, something that um, maybe I think we all frowned a little bit on was this Badger season uh, as a yeah. whole, just to transition here. And Good how segue. are you – I was on your highly acclaimed and just juggernaut of a show, the Wisco Sports Show, last night at 5.30, so thank you for having me on. It was a privilege. But, Grant, and you had asked me about the Badgers and the Big Ten. What is your final say in this Badgers season and now that it is over? And you're still at peace with it, yes? Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I feel like we knew how this was going to end for a long time. We just kind of had this team figured out. Like there, there was nothing left to surprise us about this team. They lost to every good team that they played, and it was it was fun. Honestly, I'm thankful that they got that that win against North Carolina. Like with some of my teams, like the Bucks or the Packers, right? Like I, I want a championship, and anything short of that is a bummer. With the Badgers, that wasn't my expectation. So you know what? I'll always fondly remember the night where Brad Davidson went off for 30 and stuck it to the haters, and they took down Roy Williams just because. And then, of course, they lost, you know, two days later to an amazing Baylor team. But with this Badgers team, I'm kind of at peace with it. You know, they got a tournament win, which is more than Marquette can say in a long, long time. (laughs) And it was kind of a nice way to send off some of those seniors if they elect to not come back. I I don't know. It was a very frustrating season. They they just couldn't put it all together. They'd have good moments, and they'd have good performances, but they would never stack success. Like, just in the tournament's a great example, Evo, and I talked to you about It's all about stacking success. That's a Mike McCarthy uh, saying, by the way. Yes. Stacking success, the highly successful NFL coach. On Friday, the guards played really, really well, and the forwards weren't that great. And then on uh, Sunday, the guards miss every shot they take, and the forwards actually played okay. And that's just like the 2020 Badgers in a nutshell. Like, they'll do good things here and there, but never stacking success, like you said. And you got to stack success. That's what it's all about, Grant Bills. You really do. <laughs> so, Grant, uh, Demetri Trice, Nate Reavers, and Aleem Ford all took to social media yesterday to announce that they are not coming back. Uh, it's assumed that Micah Potter is not, but he has not said anything. And same as Trevor – well, people thought Trevor Anderson were possibly coming back. He has not said anything. Uh, but Brad Davison had kind of a cryptic Instagram post saying, Badger faithful – uh, we are thankful for you. Being a Badger is a privilege. So would you like to see any of these players come back or just Brad Davison? Like anyone you would like to see come back? Or, hey, I know you're from lacrosse, Grant. Or is it time for Jonathan Davis to do his thing? First of all, Evo, I believe in Jonathan Davis to an extent that I know the return of Brad Davison will not it will not impact or slow down the the meteoric rise of Jonathan Davis next year. It's, it's, it's his team. That being said, I weirdly – I kind of want to see Brad Davison come back for reasons we talked about yesterday. Like, I think everybody hates him, and they want him to go away, and I think he should come back and stick it to everybody for one more year. It's like, oh, ESPN's going to complain about me, and and you guys are going to whine that I'm Aaron Kraft. Well, screw you guys. I'm coming back, and I'm playing a fifth or a sixth or a seventh or however many you know years he's been there. If he's here for seven years, he could get his doctorate, dude. Yeah, why not? Tap into that great UW-Madison education. And I had a text yesterday, Ebo, that asked me, what the over-under would be set at for Wisconsin players coming back using that COVID waiver. And I said 0.5. Like, I think it's one person or it's nobody. And maybe it's Brad Davison. Like, that would make sense to me. Zach had some pretty good intel about, like, uh, Reavers and Potter and kind of where they are at in school and their professional careers. And and it kind of makes sense for some of those players to move on. I don't know about Brad Davison. And I think if there's one player where it makes sense, 
for all the reasons that I just mentioned. Why not come back, give it one last ride, and just stick it to the haters for one final Hell season? Yeah. I'd be about it. I love sticking it to the haters, dude. It's one of my favorite things. <laughs> all right, Grant Bills, before I let you go, talk a little green and gold, some Packers really quick here. Um, I did see, and we're going to talk about it on our show coming up in the 8 o'clock hour, but Grant, I want to start it with you. Uh, the rumor is out there that uh, Rodgers and the Packers are trying to negotiate a restructured deal. Is uh, Would you be able to sleep easier at night knowing the Packers and Rodgers were able to come to kind of a agreement on their deal, maybe free up some money, get some free agents? If if they were going to restructure Rodgers, they should have done it already. Like, why, why are we waiting? Free agency is kind Grant, of Hang on, down. hang on. Is there a woodpecker by you? Yeah, I'm out in nature. I apologize. No, I'm, I just I heard like I heard that. Yes, yes. I'm sorry that that's getting picked up. I'm no, I'm I love it. It's the theater of the mind. I'm right now. I'm imagining you by like you know <laughs> the, by a body of water. There's some trees. The Rolling sun's coming brook. up. Yeah, you know, like I'll, a babbling a, brook, and there's a woodpecker just getting trying to get some bugs. Oh well, yeah, getting getting a semi, getting wood, as we talked about earlier. Yeah. I will send you a, a picture of where I am when we're done. With Please, our just of the nature scene, nothing else. Yes, no wood. Uh, no wood. I, the, thing, the thing about Aaron Rodgers, they should have restructured him already because at this point it's, it's like, okay, maybe they can get a, a free agent that's kind of lingering, but not the superstar, not like the Kyle Fuller or cornerback that maybe you want. I just don't know what the Packers want with Aaron Rodgers. Like, did they draft Jordan Love because, you know, they draft quarterbacks and that's what they do and it's a Hasselbeck or a Herb Brooks or not a Herb Brooks, but uh, the Aaron, other one. Aaron Brooks. Oh, yeah, Aaron Brooks. Thank you. Or, or Brett Hundley. Or, or do they believe that this guy is, is the next great Packers quarterback? Because if they believe he's the next great guy, they want to go to him probably after this year or next. And at that point, you don't want to extend Aaron Rodgers because you don't want to be tied to him if you're trying to move to Jordan Love. So that's, that, that's really the kicker. If this is Aaron Rodgers last year, it would be in best interest for them to go all in. But they can't go all in because it's Aaron Rodgers last year. And you can't push money past this season. So it's it's really a sticky predicament we're in. And as Mike Silver said on NFL Network, and it's something I'm going to talk about on my show tonight, I think whatever the Packers do, it's going to paint a lot clearer picture of their future plans moving forward with Aaron Rodgers, which is kind of a, a sobering thought. It, it really is. That's a little concerning. I don't know if I love that. Um, Grant, I, in my mind right now, you're talking about painting a picture. In my mind right now, I'm, it's like a Bob Ross painting. And I feel like like he's hiding a little bush here. There's some, you know, a mountain scene. Can you just there it is. Can you just hold your phone out? I just want to hear the nature. I just I just heard the woodpecker. Can you just hold your phone out? I'm gonna just want to hear the nature. I want to hear the Bob Ross painting. It's theater of the mind. Here it is. Where's that woodpecker? There it is. There it is. Ah, I knew he'd come through. Well done to Woody the Woodpecker out there. Grant Bills, I can't wait to hear your show tonight from four to six here. Uh, the Wisco Sports Show here, right here on these airways on the zone, WKTY and Lacrosse, and the call letters for Eau Claire escape me, but that one as well. W A Y Y. There you go. Way. Grant, you are the man. It's so so blessed that you are back. Um, I do love talking. You know, obviously, <laughs> the 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 bucks that got us here to where we are today. But I can only do that so often and so many times. Usually in the doldrums of summer. But Grant, you're yeah. back. We don't have to worry about it anymore. And we'll check your highly acclaimed and successful program. Highly successful program that stacks all kinds of success from four <laughs> to six tonight. Evo, thanks. And by the way, I did not. Uh prepare to be out in nature today that was not my intention i actually forgot that we had a conversation and i was on my morning walk but i'm glad that it could provide some some wildlife 
and some, some nature sounds to your show. <laughs> I, I'm a fan of the nature sounds, dude, especially that Woody Woodpecker out there. It was it was beautiful, I'll, dude. I'll Man, send you a picture. Soak it in outside, all right? Soak it in. Soak in that nature, baby. <laughs> See you, buddy. See ya. See you, man. Grant Bills. I said I had comments from Demetri Trice as well as Greg Gard following the season for Wisconsin after they got ousted out of the tournament uh, from the Baylor Bears. Real quick, though, what the F is going on with the Big Ten? Only one team remains of the nine, and that is just Michigan, who beat LSU last night 86-78. to They now take on the four-seeded Florida State Seminoles uh, in the Sweet 16. And it's there's a lot of lower seeds left. UCLA, an 11 seed, taking on two-seeded Bama. Syracuse, an 11 seed, taking on Houston, who is a two-seed, who beat uh, Rutgers last night. Uh, by three, or was that last night or two nights ago? Whatever it was, two nights ago. Two nights ago, you have Oregon State, the Beavers, twelve seed, taking on the Ramblers, the Ramblin' Sister Jeans of Loyola of Chicago, who are an eight seed in the Sweet Sixteen. You have Oral Roberts. I don't even know what their mascot is. I think it's a chicken head. As Oral Roberts, the fifteen seed, taking on the three seed and Razorbacks of Arkansas. Uh, then Oregon, who demolished Iowa yesterday, a 7-seed taking on the 6-seed USC in the Sweet 16. And then at the top, uh, Gonzaga, the 1, taking on the 5-seed uh, Creighton Blue Jays, who finally get to the Sweet 16. And the number 1 Baylor Bears taking on Villanova. What a what a disappointing tournament for the Big Ten. The first time since the year 2007 that only just one team has punched their ticket to the Sweet 16. Wow. Yeah, pretty underwhelming tournament for Big Ten. Wow. It's I, I, No one even knows how to quantify it. What you to had say. two one seeds and two two seeds, and the only one of those four remaining is Michigan, one of the one seeds. Yeah, what a, I mean, obviously very disappointing for Illinois as they lose to Loyola of Chicago. It was on a Sunday. They did have Sister Jean, so you know the Lord was on their side. But my God, Illinois, the one a one seed loses to Loyola of Chicago in the second round. Unbelievable. And then Iowa, the best team Iowa's ever assembled, can't even get past the second round. They lose to Oregon. And Rowdy, are you going to, are we Are we doing no more Oregon bets or bets involving Oregon? Well, fa- thankfully, soon enough, the tournament will be over and it'll be baseball season. So I feel <laughs> confident moving forward. But who are you liking for some of these matchups or at least rooting for? Uh, God, because there's so many more for? underdogs that are left. I like okay. I like the 15 seed of Oral Roberts. I don't know if they're going to beat Arkansas, but I never would have guessed they beat Florida. I never would have guessed they beat Ohio State. So, an unfortunate named university in Oral Roberts. I guess the nation will have an Oral fixation. I you know 15 seed just because of the Cinderella story. Uh, the Beavers. Who doesn't like you know punishing a Beaver? So you know Loyola of Chicago is a great story, but I just get so annoyed with Sister Jean. I would rather see. The, the what the hell is it, Crum Crumhold Crum what the hell's his name? The guy from Loyola Crutwig. Why do I keep screwing his name? Crutwig. Crutwig looks like a guy you'd go into like a, a small town at the end of a dive bar. You know, I'd like the guy buy this guy a bushlight. He looks like a guy that I'd see at the dive bar, uh, probably in like a starter jacket from the nineties. He's got the Levi jeans on, uh, maybe like the white New Balance shoes. He looks like a dad in the making, like your average American dad in the making. I would like to buy him a bushlight. That's who they should focus on in the broadcast. Instead, I can't even see my own grandparents, but I got to see Sister Jean every friggin' day, the 101 year old. And good for her for enjoying her time with Loyola. But uh, uh, Sister Jean, 
I've had enough, Rowdy. I'm, I'm now in your camp. I have had enough. If I can't see my grandparents, I don't want to see Sister Jean shoved in my face constantly. You know what I'm saying? Do you feel me on this one? I feel like I got to this point three years ago. <laughs> and now it's just like, well, RJ talked about deja vu earlier today off air. Yeah. And now it's just another deja vu, right? Yeah. Sister Jean is back. Loyola Chicago, they're back. Guess what? I'm rooting for Oregon State. Yeah. I. Uh, well, just, you know, it's the upset, right? The 12 seed. More of a Cinderella. What about Syracuse? I struggle with this because, like, Buddy Buckets is fun to watch. Buddy Beheim is fun to watch. I'm not a big Jim Beheim guy, but, you know, they are an 11 seed. They are, you know, we're one of the first four. They were a first four team. They played in. Same as UCLA, who is definitely not to be confused with, you know, like a, a, a quote-unquote Cinderella. I mean, it's UCLA, but they are 11 seeds. Well, the thing with Syracuse is obviously Syracuse and Jim Beheim have won national championship, right? Yeah. They've won a national championship before. They consistently have good teams. They're from the ACC. And then you look at who they're playing, who happens to be the two seed. It's Houston. <laughs> they're from the American Athletic Conference. They're a team that wasn't very good at basketball not too long ago. It's like a role they, reversal. Obviously, they were really good. What was that? In the 90s? Yeah. But lately, Houston hasn't been that great. Obviously, Calvin Sampson has been there uh, probably a handful of years now, and he's turned them around. But that team had been pretty dormant for about 20 years. Yeah, it's like a role reversal, right? Like Syracuse is an 11 seed and Houston is a 2 seed. I feel like it should be flipped, but we're in, since we're in an alternate universe, here we go. Like I like Buddy Buckets. He's fun to watch. The dude's a baller. Um, but the same as like UCLA and Alabama. When do you ever think basketball when you think of Alabama? Football, UCLA, obviously a basketball school, John Wooden and whatnot, but they're 11 seeds. Um, and my question, so I would be going for Oral Roberts, um, love some Oral. Who doesn't love Oregon State, love some Beavers? And then when it comes to the Big Ten, it's just Michigan left, but they're a one seed. Are we rooting for Michigan for, you know, I guess carrying the torch for the Big Ten? It's a one seed, and for, it's Michigan. For my bracket? Specifically, I'm going to root for Michigan for one more game. <laughs> but take your bracket out of the equation. Are you so like, go Big Ten? Or is it like, I don't care who wins it? At this, point, at this point, I'm kind of falling in the, I don't care who wins it. Yeah, I'm right there, too. I just want to see this, some Cinderella. I'm rooting for Creighton against Gonzaga. Yeah, same. So Gen- many people have Gonzaga, and it wasn't like that was like some chic pick or anything. Obviously, they were favored through all the analytics and statistics. They were the number one overall one seed. Yeah, yeah. It's so I don't care if Michigan's in it or not anymore. Honestly, everyone's like, "Well, you got to support the Big Ten. Why? It's not like I root for these teams when the Big Ten season's underway. I root against them. Why do I have to root for them now? I'm not doing that. I just find it wild that the Pac-12 still has four teams left in the Sweet 16. Yeah, Big Ten, nine teams. Only one made it to Sweet 16. Pac-12, who we all crapped on all year. How many teams they got? Four, you said? Four in the Sweet 16. And the funniest part about it, the high or the the lowest seed remaining for them is a six, wow. and that's USC. They have a USC at six. They're playing Oregon, who's a seven. Then you also have UCLA, the eleven, and obviously Oregon State, the twelve. All of the high seeds in the Big Ten or from the Big Ten really have disappointed. Uh, if you were a lower seed, you kind of moved on and did well, like Maryland, a ten seed, beating UConn. Uh, then you know lost to Alabama. You have Rutgers beating Clemson. They're a ten seed. And then lost to Houston. You know, the Badgers, no one no one gave them a chance to beat North Carolina. Well, they beat them, right? One of the greatest games, uh, the greatest game this season for Wisconsin. If you're a lower seed in the Big Ten and you advanced, props to you. But some of these other teams, like Iowa, this is the best team Iowa has ever had assembled, and they just got obliterated by Oregon. 
And Oregon was like hitting literally everything. All right, so speaking of Wisconsin, a bunch of players have said, you know what, we're not coming back next year, even though the NCAA has granted us an extra year of eligibility. We're not going for our doctorate. We're going to be, you know, moving on with our lives. Trice said it. Nate Reaver said it. Aleem Ford said it. Uh, Michael Potter has not said anything yet. Brad Davison was cryptic in his, leaving the door open. And uh, did I say Michael Potter hasn't said it and Trevor Anderson hasn't said anything? But Trice, here's comments from him talking about you know his career as a Badger. Here you go. Honestly, it didn't it didn't hit me until I started shaking the hands of the coaches and the players or and whatnot. But it is just tough to go out like that as a senior, and time really flies by. I know I've been here for a while, and a lot of guys are probably tired of seeing my face. But it really <laughs> felt like it was a blur. So I was excited to be here. I'm I'm still excited to be part of the Badger family, and I'll always be a Badger. Yeah, it's not like you're getting stripped of everything you've done. Like you still will be a Badger. I mean, hell, how many how many former basketball or football players we have on Rowdy that talk about how it's just one big family? RJ was a you know a manager with the the football team for what four or five years. Family, like those guys, all love each other and support each other. Here is more from Trice on the emotions in the locker room after the game with the older group and a lot of guys leaving um, as seniors. It was it was definitely emotional. There was a lot of a lot of tears being shed, but we know that this group is going to stick together after this. There's still a lot of basketball to be played between each of us, so we're going to hold our heads high. A lot of people doubted us throughout the whole entire season, so we're just going to come out of here and, and hold our heads high and get ready for the next step in life. All right, so more from Trice. He's talking about talking about how the younger guys now um, they're going to have to carry on the culture, you know, step up. So if all of the seniors leave, the six, if all of them say goodbye. Tyler Wall will be the most experienced player. And then by minutes, the next most experienced player will be Jonathan Davis. <laughs> the true freshman. Here is more from Trice. And obviously, the guys that are here now, Johnny, T. Wall, Steven, a couple of other freshmen obviously got a little taste of it. So those guys are going to be the leaders of the team next year. And the guys that got a lot of the minutes that, that played this year are going to have to step up in, in a major way next year with us losing a lot of seniors. Rowdy. Next year is going to be a bumpy road. I mean, Jonathan Davis could flourish and carry the Badgers, yes. You know, Tyler Wall as well. But it's going to be – there's a lot of unknowns coming into next year. It's, uh, I think it's going to be a trying year for Badger fans. Hopefully not. But, I mean, you would think losing six seniors and all that experience, it's going to be going to be a little bumpy next year, especially with no juniors. Yeah, but I think you could easily argue that you'd be entertained by seeing the ups and downs of a bunch of young players who N- – Yep by ratings and recruiting profiles have a lot of upside. There's a lot of uh, higher recruits that are coming in the last couple years. Be entertained as opposed to frustrated this year with the, all the seniors? Exactly. It'll be entertaining because, yeah, you'll be frustrated because you'll see some really highs. You'll see the highs of the highs the next few years with these young players, but you also see some of the lows where yeah. you're like, man. But that, but that's the same thing we saw this this whole season with guys that have been there four or five years. Yeah, that's the most frustrating part. That's why part. it's frustrating. That's why everyone was ripping their hair out. Yeah. Uh, here's more from Gardo about um, the older guys showing the young guys the ropes. Well, I think the older guys have done a really good job of putting the culture in the right spot and helping guide the younger guys. And that was the intention behind having you know a bigger, younger group coming, sitting kind of in the wings, learning from these guys. So they know there's going to be a lot of work. You know, this the the older guys didn't get to this point by taking it easy. It, there's going to be a lot of work they're going to have to do in the offseason. 
Uh, speaking of the offseason and you know the younger guys needing work, Gardo talks about desperately needing a normal offseason to get the guys in the weight room. Hopefully, we we can you know walk back into some sense of normalcy because the offseason is is huge for everybody. It's ginormous for our program. We have to have that that offseason strength and conditioning component, not only just summer but spring and into the fall in a in a hopefully a normal pattern where we can really help these guys prepare for what's coming. And, you know, you talk to any of these, you know, former college athletes and guys that have made it to the pros as well. They thrive off of routine. They thrive off of a schedule. They thrive off of everything being structured. That's what makes you get to, you know, newer levels of being good at your craft as uh, constantly practicing. Because you don't just go out there and be good at something. You, you put the work in behind the scenes. And then when everyone's watching, that's when you hope the work that you put in pays off. And if they could get a normal off season. They can put the legit work in to have it hopefully pay off next year, to your point, so we can see some of the highs and hopefully avoid some of the lows. Uh, real quick, though, here's Gardo on the senior class as they are uh, a couple of them, you know, tipping their cap and saying they're calling it a career. I thanked them for all they've done for this program going beyond basketball and beyond even this year because that group of seniors obviously have, have been through a lot. And they've had great jubilation and, and some extreme trials. So I told them that's that's life. You're going to have some things go your way, and they're going to have some things not go your way. But as long as you're doing the best you can and giving your best effort, that's all we can ask. That's all you can ask. All right, there you go. So we have three Badgers so far saying that they are not coming back with the NCAA eligibility. And that's listen. They're old. Like, how long do you play college basketball Well, that's for? the thing. I was kind of thinking about this when I saw... Like, what are you going to do? Underwater basket weaving? Our, our sports director, Zach Heilprin, put out the article and, and some of the tweets that were uh, connected to the players' yeah. uh, posts. And I kind of thought of this not even being like a, a college athlete, but just being in college. Kind of like high school, you start to just be like, all right, I'm ready to, for the next step. Like, I've been here four years. I'm ready to kind of get out of here even though some of the nightlife was fun, it's start. You're starting. It's it started to run its course. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. It's time for the next step. I feel like, especially with some of those guys, they've been there for so long. They're probably feeling that too. Yeah. Well, my God. Yeah. Hasn't it felt like Trice has been here for like a decade? Doesn't it feel like feel like he's been here forever? Eventually, just think of how it is for the player himself. He's like, man, God, I have been here a while. It's time for me to move on and do something. And Trice is doing it now. He says, you know, it's time for something else. Couldn't imagine. Hey, listen, though. It sounds pretty badass to, you know, get free housing, free medicals, free food, a free education, and just play basketball. I don't know what class his class schedule would be like anymore, but that'd be pretty badass to just kind of just play basketball. Yeah, and another thing with guys like Trice, guys like Micah Potter, a lot of them probably have professional aspirations that they can they can look forward to potentially overseas. Yeah, totally. And you can make you can make really good money overseas. Hell, a lot of Badgers do it. Our guy J.A. Krebs says, so what is Gardo's excuse going to be when they have the results, the same results next year with a normal offseason? And then he quotes the Iowa wrestler, excuses are for wussies. <laughs> uh, the excuse will be the youth, J.A. Krebs. It will be, well, we have no one left from the junior class. We're relying on young guys. But to his point, I will say this. After uh, next season, there probably won't be many uh, excuses. Yeah, there's. you're running out of excuses now. I mean, a lot of people want to hang on to, you know, with everything being shut down and COVID this, COVID that. They can only last so long with that excuse. Eventually, you're going to be like, well, how are you going to better yourself and move forward then? Yeah, and then the, 
they talk about the recruiting. Well, the better recruits have been starting to get in there now. Yep. And you can honestly say that all of Guard's players that he recruited that were his his players, not Bo's players, not anything related to Bo Ryan, they're starting to really run their course through the university now. Yep, it's time to see what happens. Getting amped up this Saturday, March 27th from noon to 4 p.m. We are taking the Madison, taking over the Madison Indoor Golf Center. And uh, I got our guy Burnsy here on Twitch. We got our guy Cinderella Man. They're coming. And you can come too. Spots are at a premium right now. They're just about full up. So there's still room for you to grab a couple buddies and go get her going. Go to madcitysportsman.com. It's, it's just 50 bucks for four hours of simulator golf fun. Full bar, full menu. Best Bloody Mary around. We'll have a raffle going. No prizes to give away. We got this awesome Vince Lombardi and Bart Starr poster. I know there's gift cards from Madison or Golf Center. We'll have some gift cards as well from local businesses. And it's just going to be a damn good time. We'll have March Madness on, Rowdy. And it'll be just... Just four hours of freaking nonstop fun of golf simulator action and getting the game right. Well, yeah, and I don't rainy. think yeah, I don't think we could have picked a better weekend, right? Yeah, it's supposed to rain almost every single day this week from Monday to Sunday. Mm-hmm. And I think there's some snow mixed in too. Unfortunately, I hate to be the bearer of bad news. Yeah, so there's gonna be rain. There's gonna be snow. There's gonna be a lot of mud. Hope oh, they took the snow out of the forecast. Thank God. But a lot of rain. Anyways, that's what I see. It's not so. I don't. That's not. A time where I really want to be outside playing golf. No, I want to be inside I'm at the golf get simulator. My, uh, first swings in inside into the simulator, kind of loosen it up, and I'm a little bit nervous. I know I'm not going to lose any balls in the simulator because I haven't <laughs> swung a club since our golf outing in late September. Uh, I have lost a ball once at a golf simulator. I have no idea where it went, how it happened, but I've done that before. That's how good I am at uh, at golf. So go sign up, Mad City Sports Zone. Dot com. Yeah, we have nine spots left. And that's just about full up, so go get her going. That's this Saturday from noon to four. Going to be a damn good time. Uh, all right, Rowdy, uh, I saw this. Now, it's something that everyone's wondering if it's going to happen. You know, Why have the Packers, their offseason, been so quiet? All they've done is restructure deals and, I guess, re-sign Aaron Jones. And that was before free agency even started. Uh, it was during the legal tampering period. So the Packers, I say, why why has offseason been so quiet for the green and gold? Well, the report starting to to float out a little bit out there is apparently Aaron Rodgers and the Packers are trying to negotiate a restructured deal. And if they are to, you know, to do this with Rodgers, they can save anywhere from fourteen to seventeen million dollars. So according to Michael Silver of the NFL Network, Green Bay is trying to negotiate a restructured contract with Rodgers to free up that cap space. Rodgers is in right now the midst of a four-year, $134 million extension he signed with the Packers in 2018, and he's under contract through 2023. The reigning league MVP accounts uh, for approximately $37.5 million. Damn against Green Bay's salary cap for the 2021 season, which is a number that the club is looking to obviously decrease. So as things stand right now, the Packers have around $3.8 million in space. That's not a lot if you want to make any splashes. Yeah, plus you have to sign your draft pick still. Yeah, your rookies you got to get under too, which is hardly enough to bring any sort of, yeah, to, to Rowdy's point into mine. It's like, okay, you really don't have much money. So as Michael Silver was reporting, they want to uh, revamp this contract. 
How the Packers could map this out for the next few uh, years for Rodgers' deal could very well indicate how the club obviously is going to, uh, you know, have the long term potentially of having number twelve of their quarterback. Was he? How old is he? Thirty seven right now, Rowdy. So Packers will be able to clear around twenty two mil of the cap if they were to move off of Rodgers next off season. So if they do say goodbye to Rodgers next offseason, they have $22 million off the cap. But right now, Rowdy, they need to save some money to you know get their rookies and draft picks signed and yada, 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 and maybe make some moves in free agency. And it's the one thing that we've been wondering, why have we not heard anything on a Rodgers deal? It's been everyone else but Rodgers and, I guess, Devontae Adams, right? Yeah. And you have your theory. Your theory, I, th- I like your theory. The Devonte the Devonte Adams extension is still one that's looming too because he's on his final year of his contract going into this season. Yep, that would make sense to do. I think, by all accounts, everyone in Green Bay, including Brian Gutekunst and Russ Ball, probably want to keep Devonte Adams. I would imagine, you know, especially because I think uh, he definitely shown that he's the best receiver in football last season. Yep, that is that is that's for a sure. guy that I would like to lock up. So let's say. I don't think they'll be adding any years on the Rodgers contract, do you? I don't think so either. Because if they do, what's that signal? That Jordan Love was a mistake. Correct. And the fact that right now, as the contracts uh, meet up, you could, in theory, have Aaron Rodgers play out his contract, and then that very next season would be the fifth-year option where you could pick up the fifth-year option on Jordan Love and he could be your quarterback before you'd have to sign him to an extension. Oof. So I don't think they add any years either. Plus, Aaron Rodgers is at that number where the end of his contract would be age would be his age forty season, yeah. and that's where you've seen a lot of those uh, longtime Hall of Fame quarterbacks start to hit their uh, fall off their cliff is around age forty forty one. I don't think it would make sense for Green Bay, especially right now, to sign him for anything longer than that. Even coming off an MVP season, I think the next three years is honestly perfect length. God, it's like, and then you wonder what happens with Jordan Love. Remember when Rodgers was sitting behind Favre? I think it was Don, the magic man, Rogowski, who was saying that he actually had a conversation with Rodgers his fourth year sitting behind Favre, or third, or somewhere near the end before Rodgers became the starter. And the magic man was like, yo, man, be patient. It's going to be yours. And Rodgers is like, man, I think I want to get out of here. And the magic man's like, hey, hey. Easy, baby. See, Easy. And that's that's a young mid twenties Rogers that wanted to get out of there, wanted to be a starter. I would love to know and ask him right now, as a guy that's getting closer to forty, if he would go back and redo it. Would yeah. you would you want to get out and play sooner? Or did you like sitting back, learning behind Favre, gaining some experience on the bench, and now obviously, obviously saving some hits. He didn't get hit right out the first few years out of college. Obviously, that's going to help his body. I'd love to go years. to a different alternate universe and see a, a universe where Rodgers was thrusted into a be the starting quarterback right away, and like Favre actually retired, and then Rodgers was there to see how good Rodgers would actually be without sitting behind Favre. I think it would be God. It would be just crazy to see you know the two different universes running parallel with each other. That would be awesome because I think. Obviously, what, sitting behind a quarterback for umpteen years is not the norm anymore in the NFL. Could, could you make the case that Rodgers was like kind of the last guys to do that? You sit behind the quarterback for a while, learn, and then you get you know put in position to be the, the starter? Off the top of my head, he's one of the guys that sat the longest. Is, I don't even know who's, who's sitting anymore. Who even well, sits anymore? That's the biggest thing. They, it's, they, I don't think they do. Because a lot of the lifespan of being a GM 
in a lot of places. Who and sits being, anymore? And being a quarterback or just an NFL player, so the lifespan is so short. It's your guy. You want him to go play. You need, you know what I mean? They yeah. have to prove it. Well, I mean, Josh Rosen, maybe he was the one, but then he got flipped GMs, right? He got flipped different coaching staffs. And well, that's be- Josh Rosen is his own special case. Well, I'm trying to think of guys that have sat for a little bit, but things have didn't go their way and it didn't work out. You know, for them to be a starter, like Rosen's one. They're already trying to give up on Tua Tagovailoa, and he he played what? I mean, he didn't have a season. Fitzpatrick, and then they're like, yeah, we want to move on. You didn't even do anything with him. Uh, we'll keep talking. Well, let's go to the phones quick. Welcome to the show. Who's this? Sasquatch Mike. Well, what's up, Sasquatch? Hey, I enjoyed the conversation here. And, well, thank uh, you. If they could, if they could extend Rodgers, I think that would be probably a smart thing to do because you really don't know what you have in Jordan Love, but you know what you have in Rodgers. And like you guys were saying, you know, Rodgers sat on the shelf for a while, so we really have like a quarterback that's really like three years younger than what he really is, as far as his. Now, I will say this: he's had some. He's had two broken collarbones. He's had some, but every quarterback gets. Yeah, I mean, you go through your injuries. No one's going to stay healthy, especially in the NFL. You know, concussions is another thing you got to really worry about, too. Yeah. And I, I think Rogers had, I think, one or at least two, I think, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, he's, he's had his fair share of injuries, Mike. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, but I'm saying in particular the concussions are the really thing you got to worry about. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, no one wants that CTE, you know? Because yeah, most, most all these football players are getting that. Yeah. Um, yeah. But hey, can you imagine if the Bears drafted Rodgers, how they would erect him? <laughs> the Bears, the ultimate ruiner. They would have ruined him. Uh, but but let's talk about that joke that's south of the border of Wisconsin. We got let's have like a weekly call how we can just make fun of that team. I, I think it's. I, I love think it. It's, Sounds good to me. I mean, what what are they doing? Like like I mean, you really literally have to be an idiot. I'm I'm loving and laughing at this so. <laughs> You know, my family is all Bear fans. I called my brother up yesterday. I said, I really feel sorry for you, man. I said, why don't you just, you know, we'll take you over here. We we take the idiots that jump ship. We'll just, just come on over. Uh, and, and come to reality, man. Well, Mike, just, it's the, the fact that they got Andy Dalton as their starting quarterback, it's it's just it, the, the comedy just writes itself. But here, here let, let, let's think about this. And it's no offense to Andy Dalton. It's just it just writes itself. No, 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 but think about this. So we know that the Bears' offensive line is Swiss cheese. They have big problems at the tackle position. They're not going to be able to fix it with a draft pick. They're, they don't have any draft capital to speak of. They don't have money in the cap to go out and sign a big-name free agent. They could hopefully trade for someone. If they do that, Mike. they're going to another position of what they have. So they're going to put a statue. Dalton is a statue quarterback. He's a guy that doesn't move around. He's a pocket passer. It totally goes against what Matt Nagy's regime is all about. So another debacle by Pace. Okay, so you had Trubisky. You drafted him. Stick with the idiot. Okay? I mean, you drafted him. Sign him to the franchise tag and let the, at least the guy get I'll give one thing for Trubisky. The guy can move on his feet. Well, I'm pretty sure when um, they had Trubisky and then they went out to sign Nick Foles and gave him all that money, I'm pretty sure Andy Dalton was out there for super cheap because then I think he God, was. I, I have it to go relook at that. But, yeah, I think he was out there, and they said, yeah. nah, no thanks. Yeah, Dallas signed him for $3 million. The Bears are paying $10 million a year later. So, Mike, I just saw – I was reading a new mock draft, which I, I don't know why I do that. I'm a glutton for punishment, I guess. But they have a thing where uh, the Bears trade up in the draft to get Trey Lance. 
the quarterback who is, you know, what is he? North is it North Dakota State, Rowdy? Is that Trey Lance? Yeah, North Dakota State, the quarterback out of there who's uh who's a baller. Yeah, well, well, then you got to wait to see if you you know translate to the NFL. Well, they're gonna, that's just it. They're going to trade up. <clears throat> Pace will give away all the again. You know why can't they see what that organization? This and again, it does, guys, it doesn't fall on the general managers. This is falling on ownership. This falls yeah. on the McCaskey family. So I told my brother and my buddy who I talked to last week. I said, "Do you know that your best hope is just just grow old with the team?" I said. I told my buddy. I said, "You're close to 60." Maybe by the time you're 85 years old, you could see the team compete. By that time, oh, 85. Yeah, there's a correlation. 1985 Bears. When he gets 85, they can be good again. Yeah, and I said maybe by that time the McCaskies, some of the McCaskies, will you know fade away and they'll sell the team. Then eventually, to someone who will do something smart, not you know, I mean, how much common sense does it take to see? Look at the quarterbacks that Ryan Pace has brought in. He was supposed to fix this. And look what he's done. If you just look at it, it's a you gotta laugh. <laughs> Mike, I love I love your uh, disdain for the Chicago Bears. It cracks me up, dude. But I love it. It's it's humor for yeah, me. It's my favorite comedy. It's my favorite sit- sitcom you know, on TV. I, yeah, I just watch comedy. That's that's comedy for me right there. I don't gotta watch a sitcom or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, I just watch the Bears. Your Milwaukee Brewers, believe it or not, next Thursday it is opening day. That is wild. Nine days. Nine. Nine days. Nine times. That is opening day when the Minnesota Twins come to American Family Field. Rowdy, I have comments from Craigery Council. And the Brewers are going to have to start trimming some roster because you can't have all these guys on the roster once opening day is. you got to, you know, trim it down. And one of the concerns was about... Daniel Vogelbach. Now, have you been seeing this at all? Daniel Vogelbach. The council talks about him because there's no DH. So Daniel Vogelbach, that guy's like that guy's like destined for a DH position, is he not? Like when you look at him, doesn't he just scream DH? Yeah, and that's basically what he was his entire career. Yeah, just you look at the dude. He's he's thick. He's thickums. The dude is just like. Tree trunks for arms. He's he's got the guns on him. He obviously has some experience at first base, but there's not a ton of it there. So, speaking of first base, I'm glad you bring that up. Craig Council does talk about Daniel Vogelbach. Will have to play first base if he does indeed make the roster because there is no DH. Well, it's reps out there. That he hasn't had that much of in the past couple of years. We've continued to do that and got him reps, and then that's only going to help. You know, I mean, I think he's done a decent job over there. So if there's no DH, then he would have to play first base to be on the roster. And there, there's no question about it. One more from Council and Vogel about getting reps there. He's forced to understand, like, this is real. I'm going to have to play first base this year. And so he's been diligent about his practice. He's probably played as many games this spring at first base as he has in previous springs because of the lack of a DH. So, you know, it's reps out there that he hasn't had that much of in the past couple of years. We've continued to do that and got him reps. And then that's only going to help. So, Rowdy, he is out of options. Yep. The 28-year-old out of options. The Brewers have two choices. You add him to the roster, or you risk losing him on waivers. What's the, what's the vibe on Daniel Vogelbach? I mean, he profiles, obviously, as a DH. Options not available. Vogelbach will be limited to backing up Keston Hira. This is an extremely tough 
decision that they have to make because who is the current only first baseman on the roster if Vogelbach is not on the roster? It's Keston Hira. Kestede. Who's never played first base in his life <laughs> until all of a sudden this spring. Like, hey, here's but a new then, position. But then when you're talking about it, if you're looking at the bats, you know Keston Hira is known for his bat. That is what got him to the big leagues so fast. That is what gave him staying power in the big leagues. So you want that bat to play. Yep. Well, now... Vogelbach also is known for his bat because he was specifically a DH. So now you have two guys that are competing for first base, both that don't really have any merit in the field. (laughs) Both have very, very small track records of ever playing first base, but yet Keston Hira is the younger, more highly coveted prospect. And if you do keep both of them, well, now you're extremely limited because <laughs> Vogelbach only plays DH or, or a little first, first base, base, and Keston Hira is pretty much going to be your full-time first baseman because we saw him at second base. Yeah. You just brought in a Colton Wong who, I don't know, is a gold glover, yeah. and you're probably going to be keeping uh, some type of a combination of Orlando Arcia, Luis Urias, and Travis Shaw, so you're going to have another guy that can cover <laughs> second base, so you wouldn't necessarily need Keston Hira. I think Vogelbach is probably out on this one. I think Vogelbach, yes, has probably seen. Well, okay. Do you think he clears waivers if the Brewers release him? I think someone. Not sure because yeah, I don't know either. He I, mean, was, I feel like someone would scoop him, but he was released by the Mariners, or I mean, put on waivers by the Mariners, and I believe he was with three teams last season, including the Brewers. So there might be some interest. Maybe you get him back. I don't know. I think it it definitely hurts his ability of being scooped up this year because there's no DH. That should, in theory, cut down on half the teams that would be interested. Yeah, so th- that's a good point. But, yeah, Vogelbach is probably going to be an odd man out here. Uh, Council talks about how making cuts is never easy. You're delivering some bad news this week. You're delivering some good news this week. It's always hard, I think. We try to really emphasize we have to make a decision for the first game of the season, and then every day you can make a different decision on your team. I think that's really important to remember. I mean, there's countless examples of incredibly impactful players for us during seasons that have not started with us on opening day. All right, so Vogelbach, he said, quote, if I'm being 100% honest, I haven't even thought of this. It's just something that I can't control, and if I start worrying about stuff I can't control, then I lose focus on whatever, on what I can control, and this spring wouldn't have been any good at all. Uh, it would have just spiraled out of control. So he's not even been thinking about it. He's batting, what, 259 with a home run, five RBIs, and 875 OPS. Three strikeouts, six walks, and 30 plate appearances. Yeah, and if you look at some of the other Brewers that are on that current roster and spring training roster that don't have any options left, because the Brewers are going to be able to keep the majority of these players. Now, if you look at the other people that don't have minor league options left, it's Daniel Robertson, who he was in contention of like being a utility player. I feel like the fact that they notified Travis Shaw, he's being he will be on the opening day roster. Luis Urias and Orlando Arcia are also going to be guys that get that nod. I feel like his days are probably uh, dwindling as well, but he's out of options. Derek Fisher was one of the uh, outfielders that they traded for prior to uh, signing Jackie Bradley Jr. He could be a guy that maybe if they go with five outfielders found his way in, but again, who knows? You would think he'd have a little bit of an upper leg because you traded for him. Right. 
But then Josh Lindblom doesn't have any options left. He's already in the rotation. He made it. Adrian Hauser doesn't have any minor league options left. He's in the rotation. He made it. Ray Black is an interesting one. Ray Black. He hasn't necessarily performed that well, obviously, when they traded for him. Uh, what was that, in 2019 when they made that yeah. uh, yep. playoff run? He was a a shot in the arm. Him, He was one of the guys that came over in that trade, did log some innings, was productive, but then in 2020, shortened season, struggled with command, struggled with arm injuries, and then I believe at the start of this spring also had some uh, struggles with both injuries, tightness, and uh, throwing strikes, which was his big his big uh, setback when he was a younger guy in the minor leagues. So he's a guy that might be on the chopping block there. Another interesting one is Jacob Nottingham, who is the AAA catcher. He's the youngest catcher that they have. And I feel like you're going to have to cut a man loose there too, because you know, he's not, uh, he's not sir planting Omar Nervais who's swinging the bat now or Manny Pena, the defensive catcher. He hasn't played nearly as well as either of them. Can't see him, so you'd have to imagine that he will be lost. Yeah. And then you have Vogelbach, and then Billy McKinney is the other one who was a guy that was brought in to compete for those outfield spots. But I feel like if you look at the outfield, you definitely have Christian Yelich, Lorenzo Kane, Jackie Bradley Jr., Avisel Garcia all ahead of him. And in my opinion, he's probably behind Derek Fisher too. So I, I feel like a lot of these guys with the uh, the options, they're probably not going to be be picked up, but I wouldn't imagine that a ton of them would probably be grabbed yeah. off waivers either. Uh, we did have a, a comment here on Twitch, twitch.tv, search my name, Ebo says, at the follow button. Our guy Rogers Insto says, make Vogelbach an all-time pinch hitter. And they said right here, the uh, our guy Andrew Wagner from the Wisconsin State Journal, who's going to join us tomorrow from Brewer Spring Training, he writes, the bigger challenge from Vogelbach's perspective is having to adapt to a pinch-hitting role. He is a career 194 hitter with a home run and 10 RBIs in pinch-hitting situations, including one for three with two strikeouts in 2020. But that's the thing. Do you really want to save a quote-unquote all-time pinch-hitting role when you have to go through a 162-game season? Yeah, who really doesn't have even much experience, experience at, first at first base. So when you do throw him in there, I, I just feel like you, that's probably too much of a liability. Okay, so... Remember when they kept on Wang Chong Wang Chong Wang and they My basically guy. played a roster spot short the entire season and it cost them Yeah, Wang Chong Wang dude. It cost them the second half of their season because you dude. could you could just see his first goal with the Brewers that the bullpen was just shot because they were playing a man down for pretty much a whole season just to keep him on the roster. They got him in sparingly. Yeah. Every once in a while when they'd be just getting their ass kicked. Well, it's always Wednesdays because we had a thing called Wei Chong Wang Wednesdays. And every Wednesday, I don't know what it was, something in the air, Wei Chong Wang would come out on a Wednesday and he would just get shelled. Exactly. And be like, oh, the Brewers are going to lose. Oh, it's Wednesday. That means Wei Chong Wang's coming out. And sure as hell, there and he that, comes. That completely it was hampered. Awesome. That, ha- that was the Brewer team that just came out of the blocks just winning all the time. The fir- I think they were one of the best records in baseball through May. And then all of a sudden you just saw that the starters starters weren't exactly the best. Which, I mean, we've <laughs> seen that quite a bit. <laughs> nice pull. And then the, the bullpen, which was decent, but it was a man down, all of a sudden just couldn't 
They couldn't do it being a man down. They needed to have that extra roster spot. And I still say to this day, if Wayne Chong Wang was not on that roster, that's a playoff <laughs> baseball team. It doesn't win a World Series. It doesn't go to an NLCS or that's anything funny, like that. Dude. But that's a playoff baseball team without that guy. I love my Wayne Chong Wang Wednesdays. And guess what? He never mounted to crap. Uh, the first time I saw him, he was walking in the Brewers spring training and he had a pink suitcase. I was like, this dude freaking rules. We're going way Chung Wang Wednesdays. Let's go to the phones quick. Welcome to the show. Who's this? Hey, it's me, Z and the D. Zach and the Dells. What's up, brother? I was trying to do my inner Charlie. and Please, I please spare it. us. Pull, Thank you. Couldn't pull it out. But yeah, Wang Chung Wing. Don't even get me started on that guy. I'm, I'm with I'm with the big guy on that one. I, well, I mean, we're yeah, both we're both all in agreement on Wei Chung Wang. We just made a, a game out of it. He would, for some reason, be like every Wednesday they'd trot him out and he'd just get shelled. Be like, oh, Wei Chung Wang Wednesdays. Cheers, boys. Where's the Miller Lite? <laughs> oh, the Brewers are up well, ten to one. Oh, they have Wei Chung Wang in. Hopefully, he doesn't give up ten runs. And what did he do? <laughs> he gave he up, up eight. Up nine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can't wait till the Saturday, boys. That's you ready for Saturday, baby? Oh, I'm ready for Saturday. I don't know. Is uh, indoor golf ready for me? Oh, they're ready. Oh, they're ready. We told them you're coming and hell's coming with. They're like, bring it, dude.